Hi everyone, welcome back to Window Chats with Robin, the Instagram live podcast where I sit by my window and chat with very interesting people. Today we have Chantal Cousineau, an intimacy coordinator extraordinaire who I met on Clubhouse and she is just lovely and I'm hoping it'll work. I have faith. We might have tried to do this once before, but we'll try again because such is the Instagram lives and I'm very excited to chat with her, got a lot of questions and honestly, she's just a really cool gal. Cool gal, what a fun word. Okay, well, see, the struggles are real. I'm trying to put sentences together on a Saturday morning. I can do this. I like that Chantel challenged me to be an early riser today. I very much appreciate that. <gasps> She's here, okay, okay, here we go. Invite her in, all right, be cool. Ah. Will it work? I, th I think it will. I have faith. I have faith in the Saturday morning. I don't think anyone else is awake now, so that'll mean, <gasps> oh my God, you're here. Hi. Okay, hi. I was like doing weird things with my hands. I can't believe it works. Okay. I see this, your face. Okay. And you're seeing it really up close. I'm seeing that there's a difference when you're doing a live with someone. I've never done this before. Well, you never forget your first time. So there you there go. There you go. Okay. I love it. Let me oh my God. do some changes here so that you can see a little bit more than my forehead. Absolutely. <laughs> so how are you this morning? It is I'm seven here. I, I can't believe that's the thing. When you were willing to do this at 7 a.m., I thank you very much. I can't thank you enough because you are just a very busy person. I'm like, how can we, how can we fit this in? Uh, I was complaining about my 10 a.m. here, but 7 a.m., that's impressive. Uh-huh. Yeah. Well, you know, anything for this cause because it's just a really great conversation to have in the film industry and just in the workspace. Uh, industry, you know, I just, I, I love the, any opportunity to talk about people being safe at work. I, th I mean, that's the thing. When I first met you on Clubhouse, you have such a passion for what you're doing. And I just, I didn't even know what an intimacy coordinator was. And as soon as I heard what your job was, and I, you know, completely researched it because I was fascinated. It, it's really something that everyone should enforce on set if there's not even just intimacy, but other scenes where people might feel awkward. You need someone to be able to have those conversations. And I think, uh, like, I love what you do. I love that this is a job, and I wish everyone knew about it. Well, this is the beginning of that, right? That's why Absolutely. we wake up early in the morning on Saturdays so that people can learn about this. Um, actually, my son was just asking me over breakfast this morning, um, you know, like, what why have an interview about this job? And I was like, well, you know, because of the job was explained to him as pe keeping people safe. Um, and he's like, from who, you know, because he's 10, you know, like what, <laughs> like bad people are only in cartoons, you know? And so um, I was like, well, there's, there's well-meaning people who need a lot of information that, that has not previously been commonplace or normalized in our community with regards to gender, race, you know, sexual orientation, just generally trauma-informed, you know, conversation that hasn't been mental health. It hasn't been like uh, the forefront of the film industry in the past. And now that it is, um, there's people who need to do a lot of research and a lot of um, a lot of self reflection with regards to how things have been done in the past. Uh, hold some form of self accountability and then find a, a you know a better way a better way forward. Um, and so um, there's those people, 
And then there's the people who in the past have gotten away with a lot of poor choices, a lot of bad behaviors. And uh, those people are finding out about this position through like gritted teeth, you know, they're like, fine, you know, but um, there's an opportunity there as well, you know, because it seems like the community is not ready to expel all the bad behaviors. So, you know, that's where I come in and, and create a safe space so people can do the work because acting is supposed to be fun. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's supposed to be playing pretend. But um, I, I don't know, like when I jumped on, I don't know if I introduced myself or if I was introduced. So I don't know, should I introduce myself for people? Oh, who absolutely. Are... I think the first version I did. But yes, for the second time. <laughs> Um, I did. I mean, I was going to read your bio from IMDb, but I'd love to, I mean, if you'd love to describe yourself, I don't want to put words in your mouth. No, no. I want you to do it so that I can have all of the tea while oh, you're talking. Oh my gosh. Absolutely. <laughs> okay. Um, I also want to chat about other things that I found online. I love researching people. Okay. First off, you are fascinating. I'm going to say your bio in my words because I did not know, I didn't know you were from Ottawa. I don't know why I didn't know you were raised in Ottawa. But this was interesting. And then I find out this was I was not ready that you were a black belt in Taekwondo. You were a champion black belt at age 15. You were a Taekwondo champion. Then you became a model at 17 and did so many shoots. And like, I wish I, I probably saw them all. I have no idea. And then you moved to LA in 2001. And you do over 100 television commercials. And I'm reading this. And, that, and now you're an intimacy coordinator. Like what a fascinating life. Again, I don't know how much detail you want me to go in regarding the Me Too advocacy because I did a deep dive on that. I'm like, you just, you're, you are truly a fascinating person and you, and even look, and again, the IMDb credits of like being a body double for X-Men, I was a little starstruck there. There was a lot going on. So I just have, I didn't succinctly say your bio because I'm like so fascinated with so many things that I could talk yeah. to you for hours about everything, but you just have you have so much going on. And I, I just, I don't know. I don't know how, like, oh, I can't even inform <laughs> where I'm, I feel like I'm starstruck right now. Like how, <laughs> how your life has gone from, um, from one thing to another. And then you just end up here. I just, I think you're fascinating. So I'm struggling forming a sentence, but <laughs> thank you. Robin. I, I don't know if I can, so that's the thing when I have to introduce people, I don't think I gave you justice because I, I just think there's so much more to you than what's written on the page. And like, I need to know everything, but obviously it's 30 minutes. What do I expect? Okay. <laughs> we'll do what we can in 30 minutes and then Sounds good. If we need a follow up. That'd be great. Um, that's all very kind of you. Um, to say those things um the journey has been you know i think like a, a journey of not fitting in and i think a lot of people can relate to that starting with going to career day in grade school and not seeing any pamphlets on any of the tables any of the markups for something that speaks to me everything seems so necessary and so like heroic like teachers and first responders and it just seemed like you know, and, and growing up in Ottawa everything was government based because it's the nation's capital so um which I always have to say here in the states because people don't often know that it's the nation's capital I mean that's fair yeah yeah so like so I have to say that um but it's still I felt very clerical or very you know um challenging in ways that didn't speak to me you know personally 
and to my strengths, you know, and I, you know, I panicked. I had that real, like, you know, come to Jesus moment where I was like, oh my gosh, you know, instead of trying to figure out what I'm going to do, I should just figure out how to not be homeless, you know, because I don't fit in anywhere. And it was just this like, like bowling ball of, of circumstances where my girlfriends wanted to do a fashion show in high school. And I was like, no, because I was a tomboy. I was a martial artist. I, you know, I was just like really muscular and they, um, and I was like, that's not a model thing. And so, uh, but I wanted to play with them after school. I wanted to stay with them and hang out with them, you know? So I joined and then there was an agent at the fashion show who asked us all to go and audition for a citywide Richard Robinson uh, fashion show. It was like the graduates of some fashion school in Ottawa. And so I'd never been downtown and like, you know, got on the bus with everyone. We spent all day at the audition and I was the only one that got a thing. I got a spot on the fashion show. And so now like, <laughs> I was like, now I have to do a fashion show. And my girlfriends don't want to go, you know? And so this was a big thing, big deal. Um, and when I did, I only had one outfit. Oops, sorry. I had one outfit. And um, so it was like going to be a quick thing. And then the agent was there um, at that fashion show again. And she said, I would love for you to join my agency. And from there, I went to a convention in Toronto and they had to teach me how to be a girl or, you know, at least wear makeup or, you know, stop putting my hair in a bun or, you know, like stop wearing cardigans. They're like, please stop wearing cardigans. You're nine years old. So like, needless to say, I just didn't fit in, but I just was like, this is interesting. This is kind. This is like, you know, I'm curious. Anything that makes me curious, just like, tickles my fancy. I'm just so happy when I'm curious. And so um, I went to Toronto and got called back by several worldwide agencies, um, like 15 of them. And uh, I was like, I don't understand. Like, what does this all mean? So I just went about my life in, uh, in Toronto uh, with the one agency that I'd signed with, uh, Giovanni, it was called. Um, and so, um, and then while I was there, just really not booking, you know, because again, they were like trying to transform me into something that could book a job. Um, I got called by the agency in Greece. And so I went to Greece. I lived there for a year. I went, and then I was called up from Germany. I went up to Germany from there for a year and a half, going back and forth between Toronto um, and then went to Asia and Paris and London, and then back to Toronto with all of my, you know, tears out of magazines and applied for a visa to move down to the States. Because that was the dream, right? Like to go to LA and you know, I don't know why, just because it didn't seem like a real place when I grew up, you know, so I wanted to go there and, and be there and, and do something interesting. And um, yeah, and so I got a, a visa and, uh, but didn't want to use it because that was the end point of my dream. Like there was no beyond that. Okay. So I thought, what if that doesn't work? You know, so I'd done all this work and, and gotten to this great place that I was like, what if I don't work when I get to LA? That's like my end, my finish yeah. line. So I delayed going there, even though I had the visa 
And um, then 9-11 happened. And it was that week that I think we all had a, a, an awakening of sorts. I think everyone's experience that week was very uh, special and different and powerful. Um, and it shifted me in ways where I felt like I had to live my life for today. And so I bought a car and drove down to LA for three days, which apparently everyone did because I waited at the border for four hours. <laughs> so I'm, I'm speaking to the 400 people in line in front of me. Um, we all had the same idea at the same time. So good for us. Uh, every woman's doing a carpe diem moment. Love it. Exactly. No, it really felt like so what if it ends the dream? Like, you know, some, you know, everyone had um, uh, some form or some feeling of loss that week, I feel like. And then, and then it like shook me. Like I had to, you know, I had to uh, do something different, do something big. And so I moved and I said, so what if it's for six months? You know, so what if I go there, run out of money and come back? Like I will have done it, you know? And then I got here and, immediately booked Abercrombie and Fitch and like huge campaigns. Uh, and then um, a, a commercial, you know, agency attached to my modeling agency took notice. Like this new girl uh, who no longer wears cardigans <laughs> at the time. I'm back to cardigans, but it's acceptable now. At my, yeah, so now you're cool. it's fine. Yeah, now it's totally fine. I'm retro or something. I don't know what it is, but I won't judge it anymore. Um, and so, and for the record, they're the ones who are judging it, not me. I just love cardigans. They're very comfortable. It's I get a it. hug. It's like yeah. a hug in clothing. So, um, so I came down and they took notice. So I, I started doing commercials, joined the uh, the union, and. Um, and then a management company at the front of the building, they started taking notice. They're like, we've seen her in 10, you know, national commercials in the last six months. Um, you know, let's sign her. And so I got signed by this amazing management company that was really fast paced and like, they just represent all the amazing, like Marsha Gay Harden and like Lucy Liu and just, oh, um, oh, I'm forgetting some names. Uh, I, but they'll come back to me, but because um, I love them so much. Well, the, but... well, when they watch this, they'll be very offended that they weren't messing. No, <laughs> people that have never met me, but they were represented yeah. by someone uh, that I was. Um, so I I got represented, you know, uh, by them and started going out a lot. I screen tested for several big shows like The L Word and, you know, just a bunch of criminal minds, like just really big, big, things um and house you know like the main roles and I like screen tested for them like it was going really well mm -hmm. except that every audition I was having these super panic attacks from a me too movement like a me too experience that I had in Canada working on a movie there um and so I still was experiencing a lot of um PTSD, you know, like a lot of nausea and panic attacks and things like that. So it's not a good look right before you go into an audition. Um, I could usually rally and, and pull it off. But uh, if it hit me at the wrong time, like it did at Criminal Minds, where I was sick in their office, and they were like, what's happening? And I, and I didn't know at the time that it was trauma. 
So I just thought it was like, not for me, you know? And so I thought, why am I pushing this? I have these big feelings right before these um, auditions. Let's just concentrate on commercials. You know, I go in, I laugh a little bit. I conversate with, you know, uh, producers, directors, like between takes and, and it's just very jovial and easy. And it's, it's like my thing, you know? So, um, so I just focused on commercials and left the film and television industry, you know, and just like altogether left it behind. Hmm. And I'm still very close to that management company and they're an ally in everything that I do. And they're so wonderful, but, um, it just wasn't working, you know, like if, if it can't work, it can't work. So I'm a big proponent in like, there's a reason why there's a reason why like keep pushing forward. So with, um, yeah. So with, with the commercials, it's been amazing. I came forward in the me too movement about that experience when I was, I think I was like 19 or 20. Um, and, uh, that was, you know, uh, uh, like a bunch of us, um, in the LA times article. And then, um, after that, I didn't book anything after that, like at all. <laughs> and so it's kind of baffling. And I think for the first year I was like, no, I'm sure it's fine. I'm sure it's just like my hair color or like, you know, like a vibe that I'm giving out, like, let's just like change everything about me, you know? And then I realized, oh my God, I'm not only not booking, I'm not getting callbacks. And then certain people weren't calling me in anymore. It was just like getting worse and worse. And I was like, yeah. okay, like, you know, that's that then. And so I focused on advocacy since 2017, um, working on legislative reform, um, you know, testifying in the Senate to change the definition of employer in California. Um, you know, because as it stood in 2018, um, the definition of employer was the person who signed your payroll check, uh, which was, you know, some guy, Bob in Chicago that you'll never meet, but everybody that can affect your career and be accountable criminally for, you know, uh, poor, poor choices or criminal behavior, uh, they weren't held accountable, like directors, producers, casting directors, so other, you know, other actors. So now it is defined as all of the above, anyone who can affect your career. So it was like, um, what do you call it when it was amended to include right. anyone who can affect your career? And this is legislation that really was transformative in this industry. Um, and we hope to roll it out nationwide, you know, so like all of these um, things were keeping me very busy and, you know, kind of refocusing. I was trying to find out where I land in this conversation. I couldn't figure it out. And that's in my, you know, advocacy and trying to figure out how to keep actors safe on set, safer than I had been, um, without pointing fingers or anything. I was just trying to find the, the greater way forward. And that's what brought me to SAG-AFTRA to you know, grow that conversation. And then I met an intimacy coordinator and I was like, talk to me. So I, I was you, I was like in your shoes going, how, like, tell me everything about it. So I don't know if you had a place you wanted to start, but I'd love to talk to you about being an intimacy coordinator, what it is and what we do. I think I'm still digesting. Your career started off 
like your friend, you wanted to be with your friends. <laughs> Yes. And then you just had this entire life. I, I honestly wonder, like, what are your friends doing now that wanted to model? That was a sidebar from a while ago. I thought that must have been they're just kind of living vicariously through Chantel. Remember when we when we brought her in with us and now she's super <laughs> successful. Uh, and then you go back home to Ottawa. You're the celebrity like we did a thing together. Yeah. If anything, anyone that does um, does things that take them elsewhere outside of their hometown knows that when you go home you are 15 again with your friends that are 15 you know that were 15 so you're just like um I have all the same friends a lot of them are teachers like a ridiculous amount of them are teachers uh, my mom uh was a teacher until she retired so uh teachers are a really have like a really big space in my heart um and they do something I could not do, even though I would have wanted to follow in my mom's footsteps, you know, just my hero in so many, so many ways. Um, so, um, but since, you know, I couldn't do that, I did this. Well, that's the thing. That's interesting. I think you yeah. are teaching, right? I see intimacy coordinator as teach very, a huge education component. So I do think you're kind of following in your mom's yeah. footsteps in a sense. You're, I that's, mean, it's also an empowerment component as well. I yeah. think when I learned about what an intimacy coordinator was, um, and or at least a little bit, I touched the surface when I did my research online, it was just so, so good to know that you can empower yourself as well. It's not just like, you know, when you go on set, and again, I'm a non-union right. actor, right? So I remember having these conversations with you, what can I do as a non-union actor? There's no real union behind me. And you know, you wanna do projects, build up your reel, build up your resume. And then you've had all these resources and things that you should be able to advocate for yourself. And if you don't feel comfortable on set, you can walk away. That's the thing. And that's the thing that when I was having these conversations, I'm like, of course, we should know that we can walk away. This is yeah. not a make it or break it. Like this is one shoot. And the thing is, when you don't, again, when you're starting out in the business and you think, no, every shoot is so important. And if I don't do this, it's going to ruin the rest of my career. It's like, no, no, it's not. Okay. Like, cause you're going to feel so uncomfortable. And what you bring to that shoot is just not, it's not who you are and it's not the best version of you. So why do you want that on camera anyways? So right. I, I just, I, I love what you do and you empower people. And especially because you have the union and all this legislation that you're working on as well. So I, I just, I find this very fascinating and very, very important to have these yeah. conversations. I actually really wanted is. to start, if you don't mind, because mm -hmm. when we discussed with the intimacy coordinator, you had the, the different, the red, yellow, green rules that you have on set. Yes. I thought that was amazing. Right. Well, well, just like an overview, though, as an intimacy coordinator, I work in film and television and I can work in commercials with regards to like, you know, you see these actors like in the shower with the soap suds and stuff. It's just anywhere where the performer is going to be either doing hyper-exposed work or vulnerable work, like either trauma or sexually violent stuff, like just anywhere where we are like triggered, you know, like those, like if you read the thing and you go, that seems like a really emotionally charged, you know, childbirth, uh, you know, I've done military torture scenes, where, you know, just holding space for the person who is torturing, who that doesn't, that's not real, you know, and that's hard to do. And then the person being tortured, which is like, 
you know, how do you make sure that person doesn't start to disassociate like on hour three, hour seven, hour 12, you know? So all of these things, it's like just holding space. So I'm not really like the intimacy police so much as I'm an intimacy like facilitator, you know, like how do we do these things in a, a dynamic way, in a safe way? And then after we're done, I would love for the performer, and this has been the experience so far, to feel like they had a great time playing, you know, um, playing pretend. Because otherwise, and in the past, people have felt like they really went through those things. And they call it, um, what do you call it? Uh, when you actually experience the thing as an actor, you know, they call it something. Do you know what I'm talking about? Like, it's like a technique to really go through like, it. Like they go full method? Yeah, method, yeah, method okay. actors. So, um, to actually feel the trauma is to be method and to really go there into this dark place. And it's like, there's a lot of things that you can do to, um, to give the illusion of that space without getting stuck in that space. And it's a tricky situation, but um, with our tips and tricks and our tools and the ones that you just asked me about, um, it's, it's a way for performers to go deeper into their work without losing themselves uh, in the process or losing their sense of boundaries or consent along the way and where they just feel they're no longer in control of their character or themselves afterwards. It's a really hard recovery when that happens. And sometimes in the past, that's what performers did. They pushed everything down, pushed through everything. And then afterwards really uh, paid the price. So um, sometimes you have performers who just seem like so into it. So director doesn't know to pay attention to those things. They're like, no, this is their, this is their MO. They're like pushing through. I'm going to support that. And, um, and that's, that's great, you know, for the director to do that. But um, in the absence of an intimacy coordinator that goes, you know, these are tricky situations. We should take them in chunks. We should, you know, take breaks and, you know, and, and recenter and then keep going. Cause they just see that as like time wasted or money spent, you know what I mean? Yeah. And to start seeing these actors as people who then have to go back to their regular lives, their regular <laughs> scheduled programming, um, you know, with, with everything that's happened, you know? So um, one of the things that I do on set is I have the color system, which is a traffic light of systems where um, I ask performers a, a series of questions with, that are relevant to the scene um, with regards to their boundaries. And people, um, in my experience, have had a lot of different kinds of boundaries, and I don't need to know why. Oftentimes that comes out in the conversation, and I hold space for that, and it is not related to anyone outside of just the two of us. Um, but I'll have a red light. So those are no-go zones. Uh, those are the zones on your body where you cannot and will not be touched. Um, and so I ask performers, like, you know, how, is there anywhere, you know? So, and then when they say, no, I'm fine, I'm totally fine with everything, because performers love to please, you know? So I say, that's great. Okay, so I make a note. And then I go, so you're fine being touched on the forehead? Yes. And then on the cheek, and they're like, yes. And I'm like, on the neck? And they're like, hmm. I don't know. Why I didn't I didn't think of that. And I'm like, okay, well let's go back to that. We'll make that a yellow. And then uh and then they're like and then I go and then like how about down the arm? And they're like, uh, 
I don't like to be touched in the back of my arm or I don't like it when people touch my elbow and like just things and, and you don't have to understand it so much as, you know, take really good notes, you know, and uh, everybody has a thing. Everybody has a thing in the front of my stomach, my belly button. Uh, do not touch my face. Some people are like, do not touch my face and do not touch my hair. Very important, you know, so you have to like understand trauma and uh, you do have to understand um, and hold space for people's boundaries and you have to know what questions to ask. And that's, I guess, where it comes in handy to be and necessary and critical, I would say, um, to be a certified intimacy coordinator versus just a self-proclaimed caring about people, buddy on set for you to keep you safe. You know, it's like this job is so much more uh, profound than that. Um, so, uh, so back to the color system. So the no-go zones are non-negotiable. I no longer need to talk to you about it. Nobody on set will scream out, that's great. Can you just like, the director won't go, can you just like maybe pull the hair, pull his hair, you know, or pull her hair, pull their hair. Um, because that's a red zone and they've been informed of the red zones. So that shuts the chapter on that. The yellow zones uh, are conversations where they don't know if they have that boundary. They never thought about it. That remains red until the yellow turns green. Okay, so I, I just move in a way that yellow is basically red until and if it turns green. So if after an explanation and then like some people don't want their thighs to be touched and yet there's a scene where they're going to be like touched. So what if we, you know, placed something on that space, you know, so that there's a barrier between the two of you and they're like, huh, I don't know. Well, once I explain to them what that barrier looks like and I show it to them and I explain it to them and then they're like, no, that totally will work. Um, or no. So then the yellow either turns green or red, but it will not remain yellow. Do you see what I mean? Yeah. But it gives us a conversation uh, starting point. And then the green zones, I'm totally fine with these. These are very comfortable for me. These are the zones where, and then I, exp I, I write them all down and I express them to the other performers involved. Uh, I express it to anybody else that's going to come into contact with them in that scene. And then the director. That way, um, if, if, if the director wants to yell out something, then they know what parameters to do it so that it doesn't come to a halt. You know, a screeching, traumatic halt <laughs> where they're like, no. All of a sudden, trust has been breached. Feelings are, like, on edge. The other performer, shame, like, feels awful. Like, something's happened that shouldn't have. And so, yeah, like, there's – this is not a, a thing where only, like, I'm not protecting people from bad people. It's, like, missteps happen, and they, they can really ruin, like, the relationship between – the performer and the people in an employment position, you know, Absolutely. so it's very complicated. So those are the traffic lights. But what's um, interesting with the traffic lights too is mm -hmm. in, when we had that conversation before, it made me think, what are my boundaries? And then it made me really wonder. Mm -hmm. So I could be prepared on set to go, okay. And, and again, I'm assuming even if I knew my boundaries, you go on set, you go, this might just become a boundary, right? But yeah. to know that I could have someone there and be like, hey, 
here's a new boundary I just discovered. Uh, and then they could relay that to the director versus having that tension and awkwardness on the set. I, it, you're very valuable. Yeah. Well, and, and in, in that, to that point, um, you would normally probably push through it. Oh yeah, absolutely. And yeah. ignore the boundary. And that's what's happened in the past, I think with most performers. And then the performer you're with, if you're with another performer, they're like realizing you're uncomfortable, but like, if you're not saying anything, they'll just push through. So there's two of you having this terrible experience for different yeah. reasons and on different levels. And it's really, um, uh, it, it's, it's just really avoidable. And so well, here's what's interesting. Can you imagine you should never tell your fellow actor how to act, right? So mm -hmm. it almost seems like if I were to tell my fellow actor, don't touch me here, don't do this here. It almost seems like I'm directing them in a way. And then maybe yeah. the director's too busy and I like, they have other stuff going on and it's who, who does the actor actually talk to? So they should talk to an intimacy coordinator. Yeah. Yeah, and if they usually, uh, they used to talk to um, each other right before saying action. And that's why it's really hard to absorb that information. But as an intimacy coordinator, I do prep. And that's days before where I, you know, talk to both performers about their boundaries. And then I talk to the other, you know, performers. Like I go back to the other one and explain to them, where the parameters are. And then I explained to them that that's just the, that's the parameter, you know, these are the places where you don't want to go. And these are the places that you can and are invited to go within that be spontaneous be, unless you have a director that's very choreographed, which mm -hmm. happens. Um, and then some are really like, I just want it to be natural. I don't want all these boundary conversations, you know? And so I allow them to have that experience because even though um, I'm, I've created the boundary within that, they really do because they know. I know this person wants to be touched. I mean, just think of it as like in real life, if you have, if you're in a relationship and you know where your partner, you know, likes to be caressed and what have you, or you know what ways to communicate with them that really like resonates with them, talk to them in the evening, never in the morning, or you know, whatever you know about someone, it just deepens your intimacy. And that's just like intimacy is an umbrella word, you know, and that's just like any kind of connection, human connection, um, you know, works better when you deepen your knowledge of them. So these are just more tools for performers to create that parameter. And then within that, they get to really kind of experience what their character is going through um but holding space for themselves too so i am not elevating the performer above myself you know what i mean like mm -hmm. it, we are one person we're going to go through this and we're going to do it safely so that when we're done you know what i mean like when i'm done playing as a performer i will feel whole yeah. you know i will feel like i played a character that is you know, so-and-so that I do not like it. There's no relation in their lives, but from what I know and my experience and my imagination, I was able to create a safe space for that person's story to be told. So that's, I mean, generally that's, that's what we want. Um, but you know, directors won't know the difference between someone who like has no boundaries and held their boundaries. Do you see what I'm saying? Except yeah. for 
unless unless they were jarred to a halt because they pushed through their boundaries and ignored them and got harmed. There's mm-hmm. that. And then they shut down and cannot shoot anything anymore. Uh, there's that um, in the absence of an IC, hopefully. Um, and then the uh, the other thing is if they um, if they don't push through and they have all these boundaries and they just like have this experience, the director will just feel like it was very fluid and stuff. And, you know, everybody was, you know, on the same page. And mm-hmm. so um, I'm prepping a show right now and it's, you know, it's just a very, like, it's a, it's such a team thing. It's a, it's a, what do you, head of department position. So you coordinate with, all the other departments, so like uh, hair and makeup, um, you know, for specific, you know, reasons, like if it's a sexual assault scene, like this and that, like just their hair. And also um, if they have boundaries about their hair to talk to hair and and remind them that they're going to want to step-by-step explain to them what they're going to be doing and how it's going to feel And so that they can hold space for their performers because sometimes, you know, hair people can just be like going through it. Performer disassociates. You don't even know why you feel defensive as a hair person. You didn't do anything wrong. You are responsible for the trauma, (laughs) but it's not intentional. So all of these things are avoidable and they're costly both for the mental health of the performer Mm -hmm and for the the production so it's you know having someone on set that a asks you the questions like you were saying before um that allow you to even consider yourself in this process i mean just and and give yourself permission to walk away if once you realize that you've expressed these boundaries and that they're not being held Mm -hmm. safely by the production to just understand that this is one production of very many you will not be like ostracized for taking care of yourself. And if you are, in my experience, I have always uh, felt really happy that I, you know, expressed myself and like, I don't regret having come forward in the LA times article. I don't regret anything, even with all of the, like um, the consequences, the, the fallout of it. I feel, um, I feel like the importance of it outweighed what it is I was doing. My, my 30 second commercials, you know, it's like, um, that was great. I always wondered why I was working so much. Like I'm working so much. I'm doing 10 commercials a year for my entire career and like, love it. But like, why me, you know, why not somebody else? And, um, I just kept wondering when it would just like stop, you know, Um, but I also never took a vacation. I was always available at Christmas and Thanksgiving and like traveled at really odd times so that I was never out of the city when they needed me, you know, like there's other reasons why I was valuable to the industry, but, um, but I wasn't like, it wasn't my identity. So Mm -hmm. I was trying to figure out like, where do I put my strengths now? You know, which is what I did when I was 15 you know, it's what I did when I was 17. It's what I did when I was 20. And so this is just um, an evolution of that. And I, you know, I can probably think back to 
my mom going straight into being a teacher from high school and then and then finding out that most people go to university at some point in her career, maybe 10 years into her career, people were going to university and coming out making more than her, even with less experience. And right. so she decided with three kids to go back to University of Ottawa and get her master's. And with all of us running around the house, she mm -hmm. was teaching, going to school at night, doing work and raising three kids. So um, just her pivot was so powerful. My dad got hurt at work, um, like physically, and like he broke his back in several Ooh. places. He had to learn to walk again, and he became an at-home dad. And so walking us to school, making us lunches, you know, putting the Band-Aids on our knees, just like, um, like an excellent example of, you know, having your life turn upside down. And just having a pivot and just leaning yeah. into the joy, you know. So I've just had those experiences and, and I have those family members that mean so much to me that have all and that all allowed me to see them experience these things, you know. Because a lot of times us as adults, we like shield our kids from any hardship, you know. But they really let me, because I was the third, I was the baby, right. So you almost like get to be a fly on the wall of everything that's real, um, when you're the third. So, um, so having just like absorbed that spirit of things, I realized things happen. You, you know, don't get so stuck in your opinion, your thoughts, you know, that you can't pivot. So mm -hmm. it comes in handy with my job where I navigate performers, emotions, directors, vision, productions, timelines, and budgets. Everybody has high stakes. And all of them, super important. Not, like, I don't go actors here, director here, production here. It is, it's an umbrella, you know. Mm -hmm. um, and the clearer the director is on their vision and the clearer the performers are on their boundaries and um, the, the most informed I can be about the production as a whole um, makes me a useful tool, part of the team, part of the whole crew so Absolutely. I don't know I feel like I'm talking so no, much but in a I, row you're doing great like I don't want to interrupt your train of thought because you're just saying this incredible knowledge and insight I just I I'm very I'm just so grateful that you were able to share this with me and for anyone watching and I will promote accordingly just because I you're just so valuable and it just seems like the addition of an intimacy coordinator to any set is just it makes it even more of a team in a sense of like you can just talk again it's just putting it almost seems like putting mental health even higher up than it used to be right the yeah. things that actors wouldn't say because who do you talk to sometimes because these are awkward conversations and then I just see you coming in with your little heart sweater hey guys <laughs> we're gonna be like you just make something that should be you know a little awkward and no one wants to talk about you just make it open and honest and let's just have those conversations and this is no judgment just tell me what works for you what doesn't work for you and then when I have that when I'm working with someone that just would be able to guys this is not a big deal let's calm down cool you don't want someone to touch your neck we move on from there like yeah. it's and you oh okay cool so I thought this was going to ruin the production but we can just pivot amazing this is so simple and yeah. so just having someone like you with this positive energy but also this professionalism to know hey um, we can't do that. 
this is not happening. Like we have to all be on the same page. It's, it just makes sense that make you sense. should be everywhere. And I think <laughs> that's why when, when I'm looking, I'm like, wait, why doesn't everyone know Chantel? Why doesn't everyone know what an intimacy coordinator is? I'm like, well, let's get this out there. They're starting to, yeah. um, uh, I have my credits up on IMDb. Some of them I can't put up until they air or the TV shows oh, you know, sure. get announced and everything. Mm -hmm. So there's just so much, um, you did This Is Us, though, right? I think I, I saw that. I did do This yeah. Is Us, yeah. And the work on that show, I mean, they're just so... I mean, you can tell when you see the show, right? They just are so mindful of people's experiences and relationships. And that, uh, on that set, the performers I worked with, um, you know, were uh, minors. So working with minors is a... It's a different, it's a different thing. You know, it's holding space for people who have probably never heard of the word boundary. I mean, if you've never heard really or thought of or expressed or explored your boundaries, definitely children have not. And so there's just a different way to talk to uh, minor performers that are it's just very critical. I, I say the word critical a lot, I think, because without being dramatic, you know, it is so important to hold space for people at the level that they are, meet them where they are. And in the case of minors, you cannot be just like, blah, 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 you know, like the way that I am with adults, you know, where I might just say this or that, and like be very specific, you know, with, with younger performers, you cannot go beyond their experience because the definition of trauma is going, it's, it's receiving information whether it's physical or verbal or emotional, it's too fast, too much. What's the third one? Too fast, too much. Uh, well, I don't I'm know. thinking as if one. I know. I can't think of the third one. Okay. Yeah. So too much information and it's coming at you too fast. And then there's a third thing <laughs> that I will put in the comments uh, of, of this post. So, um, those three things together, when they happen, it is a perfect storm and it creates, you know, what happens in trauma, which is different for everyone. Mm -hmm. So you don't want to tell them too much and approach them too fast with, uh, with information that could be important to them, but it takes care. And that's where you know, wanting to care for performers as an intimacy coordinator and getting certified as an intimacy coordinator is very important. I, I took a course that took about five or six months um, and it touched on all the issues, you know, mental health, race, you know, there's just, there's so many ways to explore this position, but you have to understand what the performers are vulnerable to in order to protect them because mm -hmm. this is not a cor course correction. Like I'm not waiting till someone gets hurt and then attending to their wounds. I am preventing yeah. that. I, that's what I'm looking to do. And if I do everything, um, then the chances of someone being hurt are minimal, you know? And if I, if someone does get harmed, even with a certified intimacy coordinator on set, I can only imagine that it would have been tenfold had they not been involved, you know? And so there's mm -hmm. always going to be hiccups. I've never been on a set where things went as expected completely. 
maybe a few times, but they're definitely the exception to the rule. Right. You know, schedules change, feelings change. And that's why mm -hmm. the consent that I get from the performer is fluid and reversible, you know, and it's in real time and it has to be informed. And when that information changes on the day, mm -hmm. then their consent might change. You know, I've had performers have big feelings around a, a switch of a scene. It was supposed to be at the end of the day and it was at the first part of the day. And even though both scenes had intimacy in it, just the flipping of them made them freeze in their tracks. And so, um, you know, having a conversation with the performer about what really is changing, like, you right. know, and, and, uh, and the reasons behind the change mm -hmm. and then getting them on board that way or realizing that is not going to work and asking the production to reconsider that, that switch because it's really causing, you know, wreaking havoc. So I think, um, just meeting people where they are. So This Is Us was working with minor performers, uh, a relationship between two individuals. Um, and you just have to, you know, really get them to feel safe, you know, yeah. and, and uh, explain to them in a way, you know, like, you know, what if you never had a relationship in your life yet? And you're Absolutely. in a relationship on a show. Like, what if that was the case? Or... You know, that, that was uh, the thing. I, I believe it was never have I ever. I could be mistaken, but that was the first time she's ever kissed anyone. And I thought that must have been a very interesting conversation. Did she be say that? I, I could be mistaken. I believe it was that one, though. And but I, I thought, don't think, did they, they didn't kiss. I, oh, oh they looked like they kissed? Maybe, you know, maybe it was. Okay, maybe it was one of those other ones. I can't remember. If someone it knows, was, put it in that the chat. Was, okay. That was the show. That was the episode. And we did. Did have I just them. do a spoiler? I didn't disclaimer. Uh, <laughs> uh, but it just it just looked like they were kissing, um, you know. But we were able to find an alternative to that where it just mm. looked like they had been caught kissing. Um, and so it's your. It's that, your see, right that's there. interesting. Yeah. yeah. Why so can't they, you just make it look like they just kissed? That's, that's so right. interesting. I fell for it. Okay, there you go. That's what happened. <laughs> it's so, believable. Like you don't have to do it if they're not comfortable. There you go. That's right. Magic. No, but it, it's not even about comfort or not comfortable. If they don't have to, why do it? You know, that's even better. That's yeah. That's a good point. I don't know. So I, I, I'm not even saying that they weren't comfortable. I, I'm just saying, you know, like, you know, we can, we can do it differently. We can do it differently. Mm -hmm. And I think yeah. that's the thing where, uh, Alicia, oh, what's Alicia's last name that Alyssa, Alyssa Milano was talking mm -hmm. about, her first kiss being on camera um, in that show that she was on. Why am I forgetting? No, it? it's oh, Scott. You know what the problem is? It's too? early. Even, it's, it's early. And it's also, I've read so many interviews that I think all the interviews and all, I'm like, which one was it even never have I ever, I don't know. Cause that's it, right. Everything. But there's so through. many conversations going on now. And again, I'm just reading it. Yeah. Like, we can have these conversations. I think that's what's so amazing. We can talk about what people are comfortable with. We can, we're able to discuss this. So it's, yeah. uh, was it who's the boss? Was that it the was show? who's the okay. boss. Thank you. Glowing. Yes, there you go. Um, so that, that sh she just talks about that being a lot, you know, I don't know yeah. what, to what extent, and I don't want to like butcher uh, her experience by, by putting words in her mouth. But I just remember feeling like when she talks about that, it was probably too much, you know? Yeah. And so um, I think at the time, you know, you're just probably like, yeah, you're going to kiss him. Like, that's what you're going to do. And that's just not the approach that 
we find is the most successful now and mm -hmm. we have an alternative performers have a voice and now there's language in our contracts as of 2020 that specifically explicitly defines like uh, you know conversations that need to happen mm -hmm. that the that um consent is reversible that you can change your mind and that if you have a contract like a nudity writer and you um change your mind they can get a, a double to do mm -hmm. your, your action, but they, the double can't do more than what your contract allowed. So all of these things are useful for non-union as well, because you can still get a nudity writer if, even if you're non-union. Uh, it may not be like from a studio, you know, uh, attorney, but it will cover your thoughts and feelings and your mm -hmm. boundaries. And it will reflect that in language that make people feel like these are strong terms of, of you feeling comfortable on set and agreeing to do the part. And if I worked on a non-union show, uh, and that just all depends on, because the position isn't like as an IC, I am non-union. Um, and so I could do a non-union uh, show if it was like important to me and right. like an important subject matter. And if that were the case, I, you know, I would tell the, you know, production that we're going to be following the SAG-AFTRA protocols, mm -hmm. um, even outside of being a union production. So there are things that you can say and there are things that you can do in order to feel empowered in absolutely yeah and all of that so i love that you thought we were gonna have a conversation for 30 minutes that's really oh my gosh i know but I, that's really I ambitious can. of you I, know. I keep trying but every guest i bring on i get so sucked into everything they have to say and chantelle you especially i just i love it's like it's because again i'm a physiotherapist so it's like okay consent it's prevention it's just it makes so much sense from a healthcare perspective as well like why this is just so, this is an approach we should always take. You always need consent. Um, people, like, why aren't we doing prevention? And that's a whole other talk for healthcare, but I'm not going to waste your time with that. Uh, that's just a sidebar. Uh, but it, it's just everything that you're doing and even saying non-union. Yes, let's still follow the union guidelines because they're there for a reason. Yeah. And knowing that you, like, just there's all these resources there. And if I'm not mistaken, because I want people to check out your, um, your Instagram, is there that link in, do that link in your bio? where you said there was like a certain guideline to follow or is that? Oh, well, if, if you go on the account that's linked to this conversation, mm -hmm. um, at the beginning of my Instagram journey uh, of like, um, being an IC at the beginning, it has a, what do you call it here? It, it's called, um, oh, know your rights. Mm. Oh, I wonder it looks like this. I'm going to show you my computer. Do people oh, do that? wow. You can, yeah. It says know it's your right. It's still, yeah, know it's your right. Well, it's that blue and white one. Yeah, and it has the masks okay. of SAG-AFTRA. And it is a pamphlet that they made to simplify and, and like really kind of codify the, the new 2020 uh, nudity and uh, simulated sex, you know, provisions in our contract mm -hmm. that they go from the audition process to filming to you know, to just everything in that experience, yes. how, you know, what are the new safety protocols and best practices for performers? So if you're non-union or cause you're non-union until you're union, you know, so you are 
what, the way I see it is you're non-union, but you're, you're union in training is what it is. Yeah. And uh, as soon as, I mean, I, I had to join, like, they're like, you just booked a Taco Bell commercial. And they're like, Af but it's shooting tomorrow. So you have 48 hours after the shoot to join SAG after you were must join. And I was like, I was, I am. And it was like so much money back then. Well, I mean, it's more now. But it was so much money for me personally that I like asked my parents, I was like, it's $1,300. And they said, oh my goodness, you know, because I've never asked for money before. And they were like, um, they're like, well, it's 2400 Canadian. Oh my God. <laughs> it's, it's like $10,000 Canadian. Okay. Yeah. It's $1 million. And so I was like, I need it tomorrow. Oh um, and so it was sent to me, I joined, and then it was a national union commercial. I had no idea how much those things pay, but I was just able to pay that back in a few weeks afterwards. So union is the best. <laughs> union yeah. is the best. They keep you the safest. And um, in, in, the, in the absence of an intimacy coordinator, a union is there to protect you. Mm -hmm. um, and also legislative reform is there to protect you. Mm -hmm. I mean, that is the era that we're in right now. Everyone talking about um, like the Me Too movement and like, is it, it's just swinging too far. It's like, no, we're just looking at a complete uh, protection, you know, because if you put it all on the performer to protect themselves, it breaks, right? That yeah. doesn't work. If yeah. you put it with an IC, that gets better, right? And mm -hmm. then you add in union and the union protection, that protects the IC because the IC can go, listen, I know what you want to do here, but sag after prohibits that. So we right. can't, so that protects me. So I'm not just like always the bad guy. And then there's also legislative rules and just like, listen, that actually breaks a couple laws, you know, mm -hmm. like you can't do that, you know, and, and they may not know that. And so when you realize that you're coming at this from all of the angles of protection, um, you're just creating like all these fail safes. So yeah. I, I hope that, I hope that helps people understand. And then of Super course helpful. they can go to the intimacy coordinator, like, uh, my, my Instagram where I talk about it a lot. I sort of, sometimes I like to work with humor. Um, I, instead of, you know, placing photos of like people doing intimacy. I like to make <laughs> reference to like animals when they're doing funny things on those real videos. And I like to add those and just go, you know, like consent is very important. And it's a cat just like whipping a dog's face up, you know, and just like, so it's, it's just like, uh, cause you know, it doesn't always have to be so serious. That's the thing, you know? right? I, but you're still getting the message across that yes. consent. And, and that there's so many different ways to approach it. And I personally resonate with the humor and the lightheartedness yeah. that you bring to this job. So that's definitely what attracts me to you and your personality. Yeah. So I, I do want to say, because I want to end this soon, but for yeah. the Know Your Rights to the audition, the things that you told me about the audition that have changed, I would definitely tell actors to read that regarding nudity and what's allowed and what's not allowed because that was mind blowing. And you, people should read that. You go, oh, okay. Yeah, Who's allowed can... in the, yeah. Like that, that's just another thing that like we, I don't like, we could talk about right. that for another hour, but I don't yeah. like, I want to be mindful of your time because yeah. there's so much information. And if you do a clubhouse in the future, let me know because I will promote that accordingly because you just have, like then people can ask you questions one-on-one as well, but to yeah. book you, can they go through your website or how can they 
like book uh, you for a set or is it through your absolutely. agent? Absolutely. I work? do have an agent and okay. her name is Amanda Blumenthal and uh, it's Intimacy Professional Association on Instagram. Mm -hmm. And so, and you know, uh, it's also intimacyprofessionalassociation.com. Um, and then there's a list of certified intimacy coordinators there, myself included. And there are so many of us that come from different journeys in this life. And we've come to this work through so many different avenues. So it's really just important for you to get the intimacy coordinator that like speaks to um, your production, yeah. be it maybe someone from the LGBTQIA plus, you know, community or someone that really like leans into that advocacy, you know, or, you know, um, and, and, you know, an IC, um, you know, that's African-American, if that speaks to your performers and their well-being, I think that's really important. Just like diverse, mm -hmm. there's a diverse amount of, uh, uh, of ICs that are available. And so if, you know, if you're like, I love what she does, but you know, I don't know that she's the best one for our production. Mm -hmm. There are other ones. And I think just no matter what, these conversations are about people, you know, getting yeah. an IC, not just get me, you know, I just really want people to uh, see what's best. for. Them I know that's, I, I knew you would, you'd probably say like hire all of us because <laughs> yeah. that's who you are. Just yeah. like, well, but just be aware that you should hire an intimacy coordinator budget allowing, but, uh, but yeah. also like the, I love that you are discussing the meetings that you went to. I know once you had the meeting, you said, it's okay if I don't resonate with you, I want you to be comfortable. I'm like, who says that in a job interview? You're just adorable. I love it. <laughs> And yeah. I, I just, I, I can't wait to see all the amazing energy that you're going to bring to future sets. And just, I, I, you're putting so much good out there. You're making people so much more comfortable on set. And I, I just think ultimately the productions are going to be so much better going forward when you're there, any intimacy coordinator. So yeah, I, I just, I feel so comfortable and confident hearing these stories and, and knowing that this is happening. So Thank you for all that you do. Thank you to all the intimacy coordinators out there. I'm just so grateful that this is a thing. And Chantel, oh my gosh, thank you for your time, for waking Absolutely. up at 7 a.m. <laughs> on a Saturday to do this. I am beyond grateful. You are incredible. Thank you, everyone who's watching it live. Thank you, everyone who watches it afterwards. And yeah. Um, we'll do enjoy. this again. <laughs> okay, sounds good. Sounds good. Have a great day. Bye, Robin. Bye.